When you see something starting to get traction and when you see something starting to make sense to people, it's like, okay, now we have to make that word a bad word. You know what I mean? And we're just going to attack that word. We're not going to talk about the concepts or that how like nuance in principle is really lovely and it's a really important thing. We're just going to say, oh, if you use that word, you're a racist now. And what I've noticed in comedy too, you know, I'm still pretty liberal. What's interesting is it backfires. And this is when you know that a lot of the people on the left don't actually care about the issues. So when you are saying that edgy comedy and everybody we love would be canceled nowadays, Richard Pryor, Carlin. Oh, yeah. What happens is, what I've noticed is, a lot of these comics will double down and become kind of actually more hateful, like really real hateful. And then that's the audience they're attracting. Yes. And now you've created a hateful space that wasn't one. Welcome to the Unspeakable Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Down. This week's interview is with comedian Jamie Kilstein. It's the audio version of a video interview I recorded with Jamie for The Unspeakeasy, the new video feature of the podcast available to Patreon supporters. I decided to make this available as a regular podcast because in addition to talking about comedy and what Jamie's been up to, we got pretty deep into some issues that are near and dear to this show, including my signature topic, what nuance means and whether trying to uphold it in the face of relentless group signaling and rage bait is a lost cause, not to mention a career killer. Jamie, who is a seasoned comic and currently hosts two podcasts, considers himself among the canceled. In this conversation, he talks about how that came to pass and about the ideological whiplash he went through in the aftermath. Once a vehement social justice activist, he was later courted by the right, then subsequently vilified by the right for being too much on the left. He's found some peace of mind here in the nuance camp, but sometimes wonders if picking a more extreme lane would have been better for business. We talk about all of that in this interview, and we start out by talking about the ways we manage our career anxieties, Jamie by almost selling his car, and me by buying domain names for projects I'll probably never start, let alone finish. It's kind of like how uh, I just tweeted yesterday that I was having a panic attack about my career. And so I, I, I bought like a couple of domain names and <laughs> I felt much better because I like, this is the future. Yep. Like, I'm going to do this. This mm-hmm. is it. And I got yeah. it. No one yeah. can take it away. I wonder if much like lady friends who hang out together are on the same cycle. We might've been <laughs> on the same panic attack cycle because I too roughly around that time was having a panic attack about my career. But instead of getting domains, which is at least semi-intelligent, I was like, you know, I'm just going to trade in my car. That's what's fucking me up. I'm paying oh. too much. If I can just lower my car payment for $50 a month, I'm like, I'll probably be fine and don't have to confront my demons and get back into stand up. And that's what I'll do. And so it was like midnight and I was eating grilled cheese. And on that, You know, I used to talk a lot of shit that I don't fall for commercials, but Hulu, I noticed, is advertising. They just know me. They're just like, hey, are you in trouble mentally? Like every commercial. And I'm like, oh, they totally know you. Yeah. Uh, I was, I mean, they, yeah. No, I was Googling some stuff yesterday and it started popping up 
it's mm-hmm. t- horrifying. Yeah, and like Hulu, I think they're trying to go to a, a little more a little more highbrow. Um, but they um all of their ads are like, we're not really ads. We're like the cool ads. And I'm like, yeah, you are. You want to go some fucking smoke cigarettes? And the uh, so there's this car thing. I think it happened over COVID. I'm not going to give them a fucking plug on your podcast, but they uh, you you just put it. I'll in your take life. any sponsor I can get, even if they're not paying. <laughs> so go ahead. That would be a really funny bit to start doing on podcasts, which is just aggressively promoting places that don't sponsor you and a desperate attempt to get them to sponsor you. Well, actually, you. that's a good idea because then it appears that you can get a host read. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, really this is a great space. idea. Actually. Let's do it. Let's have a competition. I'll do uh, I'll do Man's, I'll do gonna, Manscaped. Okay. Well, I'm just going to do Mercedes Benz. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to skip right to it. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you could do that. All right. Well, yeah. I'm going to do anything. Do, I'm going to do uh, my loving wife who accepts me for who I am. That's what I'll do. And then I'll will her to come. Is that how it works? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to do my my old dog isn't dead. <laughs> I'm going to do uh, <laughs> doesn't think about killing himself on the regular. Yeah, this is great. We got this. You know, Let's if you're stop. like a lot of us, you don't think about killing yourself on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. But for those of us who do, there's an amazing new app. And it's called uh, that My Former Dead pet <laughs> it's called other people are normal and i'm gonna be like them mm-hmm. and uh you can yep. with my offer code just put in unspeakable yep not dead and You'll you're get, gonna get 10 off your yep, first you, you can sign up for a free newsletter we'll give you the exact steps how to look like a normal person who has it together and then if you sign up for the paid membership uh we actually start to help you with contacts and falsify your resume and all that good stuff okay that's a great idea i think that's better than podcasting so here's the jamie the reason i wanted to talk to you i really for these great ideas i really felt the need to talk to you this week because Mm -hmm. i heard you uh with john k on the quillette podcast and then i heard your interview with uh alex sulkin on your podcast and i feel which was great he was great and I agree with him about Woody Allen, but we can get into that uh, in a little bit. Uh, can I tell um, you, I did not expect that. I was like, I'm going to talk to the guy. From you got to come around. You and gotta, then he was you, and then he's just like, Woody Allen's innocent. And I was like, no, are we doing this? You got to take the Woody pill. It was great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's truth. Um, the, Woody, the Woody pill sounds like what got him in trouble, but it's fine. <laughs> That's true. That was such a bad it's a blue, joke. It's a blue pill. It's a blue, it's pill. blue pill, but it's a Woody pill. No, the Woody pill is uh, anyway. Yeah, I'm going no, to promote your Patreon. If you watched on Patreon and you're not just listening to this, you can see the moment where my face said, don't make the Woody pill joke. And then you can see my mouth going Woody pill joke. You can always make the joke. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so I really feel like there's something in the air. Those of us who are in this space, heterodox mm-hmm. space, Whatever you want to call it. Can I tell you, I I, I don't even know what, I'm so trying to be removed, even though I'm not, that I I don't know what that means. You don't know what heterodox means? So it's kind of the, um, it just means you're not gay. um, It's like the people who are like trying to be, uh, promote viewpoint diversity. You know, okay. the, the in people, my day, it was called the intellectual dark web. Yes, that's what I. Remember. It's this is the upgraded uh, okay. version, and we're still looking for for uh, improvements from there. I, I, I would, like the term cognitive dissonance. This is what I try to keep. I, I, I keep like trying to get this one because it's like we feel cognitive dissonance in our lives. If you're trying to be honest with yourself, you're constantly checking yourself, and you're like, 
Is this reality? Yeah, I don't know if this is going to sound normal or pretentious, but to me, it's just like normal fucking human. Like, that's what it is. And the more people... So it's so funny. I was off Twitter for like a couple months. And I guess in that time, the intellectual dark web rebranded. So you miss so much when you're off Twitter for a little (laughs) bit. Um, I was like, oh, Quillette's fighting with Weinstein's. There's all this fucking inner turmoil I didn't know about. I was like, okay, whatever. Um, I just fucking lay low, occasionally tweet about wrestling. And um, the... But so when I was off Twitter, I talked to uh, normies, to normal people, normal people in Texas uh, that I meet at jujitsu. You mean in your real life, your normal life? Yeah. Uh, And you live in Texas. You didn't just go to Texas to talk to normal people. I I, I was just like, I I got to talk to some farmers. Um, Yeah. And so the and all of them, all of them. And I'm talking from. Jiu-jitsu people to spiritual people who run wellness clinics to people who you would think would be far left to people who you would think would be far. I've made friends with a lot of like law enforcement and ex special forces guys down here, like literally the entire fucking spectrum and all of them. When you get them off social media and you have a normal conversation, feel whatever fucking heterodot, whatever it is like, they're like, oh yeah, this part of the right is stupid that part of the left is stupid. You can look at the world on a case by case basis. Yeah. I'm pro gun, but pro gay, like all this stuff. And then most of them say, that's why I stay the fuck away from politics. So in a weird way, I feel like our sort of like, this isn't a word, but like academicizing <laughs> what we are is actually just sort of what normal people who have become apathetic because they're tired of the far left and the far right. So they are, they're just like, I'm just gonna try to be a decent person and stay the fuck off Twitter. We're kind of trying to make it almost like more highbrow than it is. But in reality, it is right. the exact same as your average fucking jujitsu dude. Who's like, yeah, both sides kind of seem like they're full of shit. And you're like, well, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Right. We're trying to just take normal uh, thought process and brand it, right. turn it, turn <laughs> yes. it into a career. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But here's the thing with having this sort of podcast. This really resonated with me, to use okay. an overused word, really no, resonated with me with when you were talking with John Kay, when you were talking about how the anti tribalist position is in and of itself tribal. Like, this is what I'm struggling with. I've been doing this podcast for a little over a year now. I yeah, love it. It's, it's more going... successful than mine. I've been doing that for like four, and I like. Well, but do you have sponsors that you read their ads? No. I can't. All right, because I. Well, no, sorry, my jujitsu podcast. I got a sponsor. <laughs> um, Maybe I should do. I don't have any hobbies. Yeah, they, but you got to go like niche, and then they'll be like, "Oh, okay." You know what I mean? Like if you right. start start like a fucking like tap dance podcast, yeah, or like bar class. That's the yeah. only that's yes. the only physical activity I do. Some so it'd be like base, basic you. bitch bar class yeah you were yes. see you're such a writer with the alliteration on that basic pitch bar <laughs> sponsored by whatever fucking mat you use or some or like the lowest weight. the imitation lululemons that that's uh, what it, yeah like that's it. what it okay is. all right uh, well i'll get on that okay but here okay so this is the thing like we're trying to do this and i'm trying to like you know talk about culture war issues but without completely like like I know sucking on them. Like they're a bone, like the marrow out of some bone of some animal yeah. that I have killed will dead wildebeest of some Twitter war that yeah. feels amazing to talk about and sh- have schadenfreude over. 
But at the end of the day, I love listening to podcasts that do that, but I can't Same. do it. I cannot sleep at night if I do that. And that's no shade on them. A lot of them do brilliant job at that, yep. but that's not my thing. I but tell I myself I'm my business model. Oh, a hundred percent. Oh, God, I have so many thoughts on this. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll try to just like cliff note them. Cause no, I want, go, uh, go cause for I, it. That's why we're no, here. Cause, cause I also want your response. I feel like this is, you know, hopefully people listening get a lot out of this, but it's also, I think going to be very cathartic and therapeutic to me and you. And then maybe your listeners can chime in and we can all sort of figure out like what the fuck to do. Um, one, I relate to you so hard. I'll, I'll go in order of least importance to importance. Uh, I relate to you so hard on I enjoy listening to them because I like to say, hey, I'm above it now. I'm a spiritual fucking dude. I meditate. I just want everyone to get along. I talk about mental health. I try to be funny. You know, it is what it is. But then right before this podcast, I finally had the balls to listen to. And I was mentioned and I knew I was going to be mentioned, which is why I think I was nervous. Uh, Shane Gillis, who was canceled from SNL. Um, he was on Rogan's podcast and just put out this great new stand-up special. And me and him have talked a little bit. Um, we haven't met yet, but we've talked, you know, sometimes you you hit it off with someone else who was canceled. And I uh and yeah, listening to them shit on cancel culture, I was just like, oh like it was just the oh, most yeah. no, it's, cathartic. It's, it's, it's orgasmic, actually. A hundred percent sometimes. Uh, yeah, no, a hundred percent. And the uh so the, so that's one thing. So I relate to you on that. Um, the reason I got so excited that you emailed me is one, um, I'm a fan. I like you very much. Um, but two, oh, two, I didn't know if anyone listened to the Quilla podcast. So that was exciting. Um, I just need I just needed to, a lot vent. of people listen to it. No, I'm sure. I'm, I, I'm sure. I'm not even saying it's, that. Do they admit listening to it? That's yes, the problem. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm not even trying to throw shade. I, they're one of the only podcasts that'll have me on. I was thrilled. Um, <laughs> but the, I have tried to, and I think even when I said it to John, I prefaced it with, I'm going to clumsily try to talk about this because in my head, it is the most apparent thing, which is that it has become a tribe, that the anti-cancel culture people are now making a living trying to cancel culture, cancel culture people, and they're really just doing the same thing. And you know, something I didn't talk about on that podcast, but when I sort of had the opportunity... And oh, I would have so much more money when I had the opportunity to kind of be like former feminist or former liberal becomes conservative. I was just like, oh, wait, I'm just going to become the right wing version or the center right version or the anti cancel culture, but left version of the fucking progressive person that got me in trouble in the first place. So why am I just going to do a different brand of the same shit? But then, as I'm sure you did, and you don't want to be bitter because you're like, that ah, is what it is, especially I like a lot of the people. I saw people do that and they are making like fucking like 50 grand a month. And I was like, well, fuck. I thought like me being like, I'm going to take the high road and talk about mental health and everyone will recognize what a good guy I am. And it's just like fucking crickets. And then where I really connect with you or where I was so happy is because I have tried to pitch this to people like I did on John's podcast, expecting people to go, yeah, you're right. And literally no one has given a shit. It gets brushed over. Well, it's only been a few days. It was just on last week, right? No, 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 no. I mean, like I've tried to say it to my friends in that oh, space, like whether right. it's on the phone, whether it's on my podcast, whether it's whatever, where I'm like, hey, aren't we kind of doing? And they're like, nah, it's fine. 
And I'm like, okay. Oh, and wait, wait, wait. Say, I understand this. You're saying this to people who are doing the anti-cancel culture. Shtick. Correct. And so you're yeah. saying to them, like, what if we uh, sort of moved past this? And they're saying, yeah. no, thanks. Yeah. Or, or I'm just sort of like, hey, have you noticed that this has sort of become a tribe within itself? Exactly what you connected with. And you are the only person that has said yes. Everyone else is kind of like, ah, And then they kind of ignore it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was a point where, and again, I'm not trying to throw shade. There was a, not Quillette, but some website read me on Quillette and wanted me to write for them. And they were trying to be kind of like a, like a hipper Quillette. Um, and uh, <laughs> Quillette for the youth, which is <laughs> so horrible. Um, but essentially it was, if I wanted to write for them, I would have had to spend all day on Twitter looking for people who were being canceled to tear into them. And I was just like, buds. Can't you see how this is? They tear into the people canceling them. Yes, but it is the. That's a job. Oh my god! It's the exact same fucking thing as cancel culture, which we apparently were outraged about. So it would be like, you know, let's say Aziz gets canceled for Aziz's thing. My piece would be, you know going after the people who canceled him. Or if somebody made a joke on Twitter and then, you know, uh, New York times wrote a piece about it. My job would be to go after the New York times, or then it got to the point where it was, you know, a transfer. I don't know. It was still, it was the same fucking mentality of search for a person who disagrees with me, tear into person. But it was almost to me more insidious, maybe because, I agree with it. So I'm more critical, but to me, because you were holding yourself as different and above them while using the same tactics yeah. and that, and that's when it's like, guys, look, I'm a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. We've all been hypocrites. Let's admit that instead of pretending that we're not doing the exact same bullshit that we pretend to be a- a- against. I hear you. I mean, I, I actually did a, I did a monologue episode back in the fall and it was this, the idea, and I was feeling very, you know, the podcast was only like four months old at that time. If that, yeah. and I was feeling like, Oh yes, this is great stuff is coming. Here we and go. the message was like, instead of talking about the culture, let's be the culture, like yes. make the art, say the thing you have to say, yep. curate the exhibit, program the film festival and just move on with your life. Like instead of discussing this, just do it. But, but it it continues to be almost impossible. People are not programming film festivals the the way they want. Corporations are still being led around by the nose by a handful of anonymous, mentally unhinged nobodies. And and, we're still living in this world. And by the way, can I say, I have this fucking thing in my head. Um, we'll call it dad issues where if I'm on a podcast, that'll agree with me. Like what I, at the height of my kind of cancel culture thing, I went on Glenn Beck's and I was like, let's talk about uh, Palestine and black lives matter. Like there's always part of me that's like, what shouldn't I talk about? And then I'm like, Ugh. but like your point is so brilliant, but also like, that's what woke people should be doing too. Right? Like when you get a great, Right. Filmmaker, uh, a person of color, or, you know, you look at like uh, Shang-Chi, the new Marvel movie that came out, or you look at Black Panther, or you look at fucking, you know, whatever. It's like, they just just fucking made it. And then uh, killed it. They weren't sitting around just like complaining, 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 complaining. So like, 
woke people, independent people, conservative people, everybody should take that advice. And, you know, what I've noticed is it's internet commenter syndrome, where it's I'm instead of living a life that gives me joy, instead of leaving the job that makes me miserable, getting out of my shitty relationship, whatever, I'm going to go on people's comment section who are making art and doing the thing that I kind of want to be doing, but don't have the balls to do. And then I'm going to shit all over them. And if everybody took all that time that they spend thinking about, gossiping about, commenting about other people's art and put it into how can I make a life worth living? How can I make something that creatively satisfies me? Uh, We would all be making shit and be very happy. Um, But it's just so much easier to cut people down, to blame these structures. And it's like, guys, just blaming the structures doesn't work. You actually have to do something about it. You know, don't just tweet about it and then think people are going to give you things. Although a lot of times they do. I know. Uh, The problem is it works. I know. I know. I know. It's, it's tough because I, 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 I can assume I know how you feel when you're thinking about career stuff. And I keep telling myself that, you know, so when I started comedy, when I started getting big in comedy, um, and I call it like the year or two, I was almost famous. And like every newspaper was like, he's the next fucking Bill Hicks and George Carlin. And like, I was actually like, I don't know. I was doing good stuff. Um, and whenever people would ask me advice on the kind of comedy I was doing, because I always made the wrong political decisions. So I started being a political comic after 9-11, George Bush, not in New York, not popular. Then I start making it really big overseas because they love being critical of America. That's where all those fucking comparisons came from. Um, then I finally got on Conan, but Obama's the president. So there's no more like making fun of George Bush, but we're still drone striking people. So I do a whole rant about the military industrial complex while it's Obama. So everyone's thrilled, does not want to hear political stuff. Uh, The only guests were like me and Kobe Bryant. So it was a lot of confused people. (laughs) I was never invited back on the show. Um, Then Donald Trump becomes president. Everyone's political. And I go, you know what? I'm going to talk about dating. And I didn't talk about politics fucking at all so i've always been on the 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 the, the dipshit marketing side and See, if you and don't I, talk about politics during trump you're complicit that, that that's what it was, violence right? is violence yep and the only joke i had about trump was about how liberals are lying when they say he's not hilarious so like it was again just i don't know what's wrong with me so but what i would always tell people who were like hey how do i be political or how you know how do these edgy comics make it or whatever And I still kind of have hope for this, which is it is so much harder in the beginning to do something different, right? So what you're doing, hopefully what I'm doing, um, edgy stand-ups, weird TV shows, you know, out-of-the-box musicians, right? It is going to be infinitely harder for Radiohead to start then it would be, you know, whatever generic pop band to start. It'll be infinitely harder for Richard Pryor than it would for, you know, Rodney Dangerfield, whatever. Rodney's great. But But I don't see this is so 
funny because I don't think what we're doing is so outside of the box. We're having well, conversations. Yeah. That's what's amazing. It's like, this is, this is the oldest format in the world. Well, but it is though, because right now people are craving conflict. You know, right. they, when I, my, I shouldn't say any of this, my Patreon has been stagnant at a little over like a thousand bucks for a couple years. And my audience will get bigger and then it won't and then it will and then it won't. When I was on a political show, when I was screaming at people, um, so much money, so much money. I've lost. On your, it what do you mean now. on your on your Patreon or that you are making? This is- uh, so it was it was before Patreon. So uh, essentially, I did a, a, a PayPal tiers, which are Patreon now. So it was like my own Patreon before Patreon. Zero sponsors, mm-hmm. not as many listeners as people thought, and so much money, which is now. Wow. Um and. People want that right now. You know, people want to donate when they think of like, who am I going to donate to? It's like, am I going to donate to, oh, I enjoy listening to Jamie and Megan. Like, these are cool conversations. They're making me feel better, blah, blah, blah. Or am I going to donate to like, you know, these guys are going to war for me. Like, that's what it seems like when you see your podcast host starting shit on Twitter and stuff. You're like, yeah, they're fighting the good fight. Not that that they already have enough money, but you want to be like, I almost wonder, actually, tell me what you think of this. I almost wonder if by giving $5 a month to the podcast who's like stirring shit on Twitter, you kind of feel like you are vicariously through them, right? Well, you're part of the army. You're part of the army. You're, you're in the, in the fight. Yeah, yeah, that's where, a really good with, point. With, with me and you, no one's like, you know, I want to give 20 bucks a month to nuance. Like, <laughs> that's not sexy. But, I have, not but I have my mugs. You know, I have my nuanced AF, <gasps> AF mug. Oh, I, yeah, know. I have merch. Can I, can I tell you, I picked nuance just because I thought it was the perfect funny word. Oh, no, that's my brand. Dude, I don't know why we don't talk every week, like as friends. This every time, the, the two times we have, I'm just like, why are we hanging out? I know. No, I've got uh, I've have a whole merch line. You know, this is what I always thought. You know, you really you know, you've made it as a writer in the literary world when you're selling merch. This is what I imagined <laughs> when I was in my early 20s trying to be the next Joan Didion. Uh, One mean, day. Yeah. merch. I had um, a, I had an old man in the sea beanie. <laughs> Oh, there's nuanced AF beanies, by the way. Knit there's, beanies. There's, there's, sorry, by the way. But yeah, no, you, I, no, you're, so. you're in New York, right? Yes. That's one of the things I miss so much about New York, especially as falls hitting. And I just saw the Hawkeye trailer and it's Christmas in New York. And I'm like, I miss my cool beanies and jean jacket look. Cause I've been, I've been out of New York. I've been in hot places for the last five years. And I I definitely miss my beanie. I look good in a beanie. I don't look good in many things, but I I look great in a beanie. I can see that. Well, fall in New York is really uh, unbeatable. Otherwise I'd rather be in LA, but yeah. Yeah, uh, no, follow New York. I'm just like I follow like everyone I see. I'm like I would marry you. I'm just happy. Everything <laughs> smells. It's yeah. the best. Everyone awesome. looks looks spectacular in the fall. Yep. Um, okay, but like let's get back to this nuance thing because yes. I I uh, I branded the nuanced AF thing because I felt that nuance itself was being overused. I mean, it's a Hilarious. joke at this point. Yeah. It's also being weaponized. You know, I've seen uh, mm. like super woke people uh, on Twitter 
you know, saying things like, oh, another nuanced take, as if it's a dog whistle for um, alt-right or, yeah, no, nuance is actually a dirty word in some progressive circles. Isn't that wild how, I mean, it's centrist. It's so smart. You know, when the right was evil, sorry, guys, uh, I used to say they were so smart because they would do this thing where they would... So like Obamacare, for example, they would what Republicans always do that Democrats don't do is they would make like the the toned down version of Obamacare and they would go, that's socialist. And it, you know what I mean? Like, we're not even talking universal health care or Medicare for all or whatever. We're talking like, you know, uh, no preexisting conditions. And they go, that's so- socialized medicine. Right. And so then the left Instead of going, well, if you're going to call me socialist anyway, fuck you. Let's go Medicare for all. They would cower and make compromises to an already compromised plan. And then the right still called them socialists. That was genius, right? It was just, it was just the bar was moving where, you know, Dick Cheney was a moderate and like madness. And now the left is doing these evil like wordplay things where, Nuance is a really good thing. I don't give a shit if any of my old friends say it's a dog whistle. I, I didn't even know this was happening, but it makes so much sense where when you see something starting to get traction and when you see something starting to make sense to people, it's like, okay, now we have to make that word a bad word. You know what I mean? And we're just going to attack that word. We're not going to talk about the concepts or that how like nuance in principle is really lovely and it's a really important thing. We're just going to say, oh, if you use that word, you're a racist now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed in comedy too, speaking for, you know, I'm still pretty liberal. Um, what's interesting is it backfires. And this is when you know that a lot of the people on the left don't actually care about the issues. So when you are saying that edgy comedy, um, you know, and everybody we love would be canceled nowadays. Richard Pryor, Carlin. Oh, yeah. Everybody. Um, what happens is what I've noticed is a lot of these comics will double down and become kind of actually more hateful, like really real hateful. Yeah. And then that's the audience they're attracting. Yes. And now you've created a hateful space that wasn't one. It was just an edgy boundary pushing funny you know i laugh because of trauma like funny space and the same thing's going to happen with this where it's like if you're making nuance a curse word and you're saying nuance is a dog whistle then everyone just kind of throws their hands up and they're like well fucking if you're already calling me this you know i might as well like when i i know i'm kind of all over the place but i've been thinking about this a lot and going through uh mental issues about my past um when I was going on these right wing shows and kind of debating, like, is, is this the world? Wait, tell, tell us how you got started getting invited on right wing shows. Just back up a few steps. Okay. So I was there. like super wokey feminist uh, uh, comedian guy. This is the very short version because I've talked about it like ad nauseum. Um, and then I had an affair. I had an affair like eight years ago, 10 years ago. 
And you were, you were married. You had, this is just mm-hmm. something in your private life. You did not have an affair on Twitter uh, for all to see. This was an no. yeah. IRL yeah. situation. Yeah. Yes. And it was, uh, it was dumb. I wish I didn't do it. Uh, I, I should have gotten out of my marriage earlier. And I, you know, just went through what a lot of people who, who cheat go through dumb shit. Um, I actually haven't talked about this on a podcast, but dumb stuff where you're just like, this is going to save the marriage. Like, and this is, you know what I mean? Where you like, I'm helping. And like, uh, and it was awful and I hated it. And I wasn't a cheater before and it happened and it was bad. And I, it was like fucking two years. And, um, I was so miserable and so depressed and felt like such garbage. I like, I kept trying to get out of it. I remember one time she said, you know, like, if you leave, I'm going to write a book about this. And I was like, I'm not that famous. And then, oops. Um, and so, you know, uh, my my ex and I were like, maybe we should try an open relationship. And so we went, um, you know, I said, we said on the podcast that we're going to try this open relationship. We're doing a podcast together. Yeah. Okay. And, um, uh, and so you know, the second we announced that we were in an open relationship, the girl who I had the affair with came out, posted on like a feminist Facebook thing who has been wronged by supposed feminist Jamie Kilstein out of the many women I have slept with. One girl said he flirted with me on Twitter. I said I had a boyfriend. He said, I'm sorry. That's it. I've never sent a fucking dick pic. I've never, you know, it was literally like, yeah, I was in an open relationship. I thought we were flirting. You said you had a boyfriend. I said, shit sorry um and then she kept trying to message me and i just like ignored it not to be a dick but i was like i was embarrassed i felt bad i was like okay oops um and then another girl uh said we hooked up and jezebel said we slept together we did not sleep together um but we hooked up and in the jezebel article that uh destroyed my life it actually said something along the lines of it was the safest I ever felt with a man. Like it said, it said a line that was like how I treat women. It was like, I felt safe. I felt good. Right. Like nothing creepy. I've never been handsy, stuff like that. Um, and then it said, but weeks later he called me a road fuck on his podcast. And then in parentheses, Jezebel said, Jezebel cannot find this quote. Uh, but they still printed that. And the reason they can't find the quote is because I'm not talking about, excuse my language, slaying road pussy on my feminist podcast with my fucking wife. Cause that's insane. But if I listen to that though, I mean, can you imagine that's a hell of a title? The feminist podcast. Yeah. The, the slogan should be slaying, slaying road pussy with my feminist, slaying road pussy with my feminist wife. I would listen to that. You're right. You are right. You know what? That's I'm gonna our. The, excuse me. I'm going to go buy the domain name for that. So let's just <laughs> excuse me one second. I was searching for okay. the callback in my head, and that was the that was the right one. That was so good. <laughs> um, my God, that was so good. Okay, so, um, so that was it. The problem is, and uh, breaking news: I got canceled uh, recently for this. Still. Um, and what year? Sorry, and we don't have to dwell on this. Just what year was the initial cancellation? Like the like fucking the article was like five years ago. Yeah, this was before shitty media men list. All of that, right? Oh yeah, this was a guys. Precursor to that. Not, yeah, just not, so people not, are clear. Not to brag, but I was canceled before it was fucking. Yeah, cool. yeah. I was canceled before Louis was canceled. I was canceled with all of them. It, it was me. <laughs> this guy. 
Um, the problem is, so everything I listed and, and there's nothing I left out, uh, was phrased as, so if you Google me, um, please guys click on other things like my website. So I don't look like a sex predator. Um, the headlines are sexual misconduct, predatory behavior. The headlines aren't feminist has an affair. Feminist says dickhead thing on podcast, right? Like sexual misconduct. And I, I, I finally have a fucking lawyer who of course is a woman who has actually seen creeps and is furious on my behalf. But like, I don't know what to do. Like when I see the word sexual misconduct, I think, oh, it's a guy I'm going to throw down with. I think of someone who is like pressed himself up against, like I think of like, yeah, yeah. Shit. I don't think of an affair and a, a rough marriage. Or <laughs> like, cons- consensual activity. Consensual yeah. one night stands. No fucking way. Predatory behavior. Like right. that's so gross. And uh, so those are the, those are the words about me that will still come up. And, you know, the reason it became a thing when people are like, that's why. And still eight years ago, like Louie's doing theaters um, again. I just saw him. Yeah. He's still so funny. Jesus. And my favorite part, by the way, you might be the only person who finds this funny. Um, my favorite part is when it's a podcast that's like not an anti-cancel culture podcast, just a regular comedy podcast. And 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 like the best comics of all time comes up come up. Everybody either you see them stop themselves, mention Louie, or instead of just saying, Yeah, Louis is the best comic in the world, they have to go. Now I don't agree with what he did, and then talk about comedy. Like I know it's so. Uh, I want to talk about that too. Like the the comportment of uh, you know people who have something to lose. Oh, when they when they get in these. Okay, but just just so we we kind of finish this up. So basically, but you were presenting yourself as a, as a progressive feminist. You basically so, let hoisted on your own petard. So that's what got me in trouble, and that's what I was okay. going to say is everything right. everything I did, like. Where I fucked up more than the affair was being a self-righteous douchebag, essentially. And, you know, with Louie and those guys, they had so many fans and they were so authentically themselves. But I, before this happened, was so depressed and was just on Twitter and yelling at people. So you were you were like a scolding, super lefty person. Just like, okay. And did you believe it at the time or like what were you getting out of it? So that's the one thing that Rogan said about like Rogan always sticks up for me when he brings me up on his podcast. But the one thing I disagree with him on is he's like yeah you know jamie knew what he was doing and he was getting the buddy i wish i did or else it wouldn't have ended so terribly like i legitimately this is gonna sound pretentious too the thing about being too liberal is you still feel like a good person if you're like yeah i'm really not racist or i'm really not a homophobic those are all like good things. I never believed that the extreme left was as bad as the extreme right. Because at the time when I started being political, it's like the extreme right was launching fucking wars. And right, the extreme left didn't have any power. Yeah. And I was, Before I was just, social media, the extreme left did not really have any power at all. Totally. And I was like, what's the extreme left? Too much health care? Like, fuck off. Like, that's nothing compared to like George Bush and the weird homophobia that was happening and all that. And um. And then on top of that, and maybe your listeners will like me more for this part, <laughs> on top of that, um, I was really self-hating. And like I dropped out of high school and suddenly I'm in these circles in Brooklyn with, you know, the biggest progressive writers that there are. And what I kind of realized, especially after like none of them even texted me, 
uh, to see if I was dead after this happened. Um, I mean, it was worse than if I was accused of like rape. Um, once I couldn't get them on MSNBC anymore, they didn't give a shit. And wait, why, why, sorry, why is it worse than if you were accused of rape? I mean, they, or I'm oh, sorry, they treated it as I, as if I was. Oh, I see. Okay. Yes. Where it was okay. just like, we have to distance ourselves. And, you know, no one even like behind the scenes was like, hey, I disagree with you, but like, are you okay? So, but uh, nobody was even privately supporting you? Nope. Nobody. My family. Like, and I had a girlfriend. And the, because at this point I was separated and uh, tried to kill myself. If my girlfriend, because I was like, oh, my girlfriend's going to leave me. Like, once I went, like, no way. And then she didn't and she supported me. And then uh, I just disappeared for a year and it was just her and I was teaching jujitsu. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it was ev- ev- literally everybody. Um, I had a fan, like, all my fans too. Like, they just got their orders and they were like, but I had a fan. This is so wild. This is fucking wild. On Facebook wrote, uh, I just want you to know you like saved my life and like you mean so much to me, blah, blah, blah. And uh, the next day, the same person didn't delete his comment. You know how you can add a comment to your comment? (laughs) Added to that comment, I fucking hate you. I hope you die. (laughs) Like, it was so crazy. It was so crazy. And and yeah, so why? so So with these issues, like, when when I started that podcast, I'm going to say I because I can't talk about marriage stuff. When I started that podcast, it was the political comics that I grew up on, Hicks, Carlin, were edgy as fuck. The language was edgy. It was going after both sides, whatever. So that was the kind of comedian I was. And there wasn't a space at the time. This is like pre-John Stewart where I was either like, too offensive for the political people or too political for the comedy people. And occasionally I would have a very good show. And so that's why the podcast started. So the podcast started as edgy left. Like, I mean, we were saying things, both of us that would get us canceled now, but from a left point of view, you know, but like language and shit, like Mm -hmm. no fucking way. And then you know, as cancel culture got more prevalent, as I started to burn bridges on comedy in comedy, you know, Rogan and I had that before he brought me back on to be nice, uh, had that infamous uh, fucking fight about rape jokes where I, I took the feminist side. Well, what happened was every time I would kind of go to my friends like, hey, guys, but like, is this a little too much? Like, is me tweeting that I'm feeling really good because I started jujitsu and someone says that's fad shaming? Isn't that a little ridiculous? When when I would be told no, and when I would be told, you know, whatever, um, that it was privileged or I would just, because I was self-hating, not because I was nefariously planning, you know, to be a secret feminist, I would just go, oh, okay, I guess I'm stupid. And then I'd feel bad. And even when I disagreed or even when I had to press pause on the podcast to be like, dude, that sounds insane. I would just kind of be like, yeah, I mean, I'm the straight white guy and I'm dumb. And these are all like smart journalist people. And I just make dick jokes occasionally and they applaud the little joke monkey. And then whenever I have like a serious thought and I'm like, hey, isn't this a little counterproductive to what we're trying to do? Everyone ignores me. And so this, that is was like fal- this is like uh, false confessions. You can you can see how people can get. uh convinced that they're guilty even though they're not this is how people this is how people come to 
confess to crimes they didn't commit mm-hmm. and end up in prison sometimes. Yeah. So it was, I was very stupid. I was very sad and I made a bunch of mistakes, <laughs> like nothing was planned. Nothing was, it, it was just, and I've never said this either because it sounds like victimy or whatever, but like, I really thought I was making a lot of the right choices, you know, like it, I've been on such this shame spiral for the last couple of years where even when Rogan, when I went on the show and he was like, dude, fucking people cheat and whatever. I was like, no, but I'm a piece of shit and I shouldn't have done it because I think I wanted to feel like I had some kind of control, right? Because when people say, when your life falls apart, you're supposed to learn from it. And I go, well, I'm not going to learn to not be a sex predator because I'm not a sex predator. So I'm like, what are all the things that I can change because I didn't kill myself. So I want to be a better man and I want to survive and I want to be successful again. Um, And so I almost took like too much ownership of it. And now I'm finally being like, hey, I made mistakes, but also like some fucked up shit happened to me too. And um and you know, so anyway, so I'm so I'm kind of finally starting to talk about it a little more, a little less like shame shamefully, and then it- no, I totally, I, it it totally makes sense. It's weird too because I often think it's not like I, I have stayed completely consistent in my sensibility for 25 years of my career. Like sometimes I get into a thing like, well, maybe I am completely wrong about this thing. Like maybe if all of these people are telling me that I'm being unfair when I talk, the way I talk about trans issues, for instance, which I try to be super, super careful about, like I can definitely get into kind of head spinning zones where I'm like, wow, maybe I'm completely misreading the situation. Yeah. Well, and by the way, if you did change your mind on one of those issues, then you're a fucking grifter. Like that's just like, just like making nuance a bad word. It's like the idea of somebody evolving their position. Suddenly you're a grifter. Like that's so toxic. Well, I'm not making enough money to be a grifter. I would, would that I were a grifter. So that's what I always say. I mean, I'm a nonprofit grifter. Fucking wish I was a grifter. Yeah. 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 So let's Uh, get to like how you started going on Glenn Beck and all this, because I think this is really interesting because this is kind of the crux of what I wanted to talk about. Like, you know, we're not over here, we're not over here, and yet the middle doesn't isn't working at, so well at the moment. So how did you get sort of courted by the right, and are you still finding yourself kind of having to fend no. them off? And again, all I should be trying to do right now is win over your audience and plug my Patreon, and I this will... Go ahead. T- what's the slash what? Nope, Patreon I'm going to burn the bridges first and then we'll give the Patreon for the people who are still listening. But my Patreon the people are the ones watching this. So first they have, they're already on my Patreon. So oh, well, if you're already on there, guys, it's patreon.com slash Jamie Kilstein. I talk a lot about mental health. I talk about this stuff and uh, uh, both me and Megan need your help. <laughs> patreon.com slash Jamie Kilstein. Um, the, no, I'm not invited back on those fucking shows. And what was so frustrating is So I went on and what I told myself is I go, you're only selling out if you say things you don't believe. So if I go on these shows and I talk about, hey, here are the problems I have with the left. And now, you know, I'm open-minded to your thoughts. 
And then I go, but also here's some of my problems with the right. Maybe, maybe I don't change your mind. Maybe you don't go from a neoconservative to hearing Jamie Kilstein and opening up your own like mom and pop abortion stand, right? The dream. The dream, everybody. Um, Roadside abortions, or it's like the the abortion mobile, like a food truck slash bookmobile that also does abortions. Very Austin. Very Austin, what you're just saying. Yeah. Can you imagine the like mural, like the painting on the side of the truck, like some kind of hip, like it would, uh, it would hanger, like a coat hanger. It would make killing, literally. Um, Okay. The, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If we did get to that point, people would be so pretentious. Like, oh, you get your abortion at Planned Parenthood. I get it at like. Oh yeah, it's a it's a arc. bespoke bespoke abortion. <laughs> it's so. Um, <clears throat> oh man, that's so funny. Uh, the so so I was like, I'll, I'll go on these shows, and yeah, and, and so maybe I don't convince them to be like a fucking liberal, but. The next time someone goes, oh, all liberals are fucking cucks. They can be like, well, I heard that one guy and he was nice and he's fucking cool with guns. Right. And, but, you know, whatever. And it worked. Uh, I had great times. I sincerely enjoyed hanging out with the hosts on air and off air. So like these are like Glenn Beck and, and what years what were this? I think this is really uh, important. When was this? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. I wonder if I can Google it real quick. Like before um, it, it, 2000. It's, when, it's before, when I was. Yeah. It's, it's when when I was in LA. So probably like. Th- oh God, I hate Googling myself. Uh, it's a, it's literally my nightmare. I mean, it's funny because I was interviewed by Glenn Beck. In, 2019. Okay. Because I was interviewed by Glenn Beck in 2018. Okay. And I really liked him. I mean, he's like a funky, weird guy. In Dude, a lot of ways. Totally. And he wanted me to go down to Dallas. Like we, I was on his radio show and he wanted me to go down like the next day. Yep. And I was like, eh, I, yeah, you know, this I got to get a dog sitter. I can't go to my brother. But, but yeah. But this, this, this is exactly, by the way, what happened with me. We did his radio show and then I went to Dallas and then I did all these shows. And, you know, what I wanted to say about the canceled people. And, and and then I'll tell you where this goes, because I think, again, you will be one of the one people who can relate to me, um, is it wasn't even a money thing. Because, you know, those shows don't fucking pay you. No, by the uh, way, people, we don't get paid to go on these shows. I don't know no, what they're what, what they think. Even no. for MSNBC, I didn't. There's no money. No, they don't. Um, no, no. And, and there's a stipend. Um, the. I would go on these shows and my podcast wasn't even political. Dude, when I went on, I was such an idiot. Once again, this is me being like, I want to be a good guy. When I went back on Rogan for the sort of like, hey, we're friends again episode, uh, when I kind of came out of the hiding, I didn't even have my social media backup. I didn't have a podcast backup. I had nothing to promote. And I was like, yeah, I'll be more authentic because I have nothing to promote instead of like, no, I just will have zero to capitalize on. Um, but the when I went on these shows, it, it wasn't about money or whatever. It was, dude, this sounds so crazy. Walking into buildings where people were like happy to see me and where women would go, dude, that's fucked up what happened to you. And where people would hug me and be nice and I could make jokes again. It was just 
not feeling fucking alone. As opposed you know? to going into an NPR studio is what you're saying. And just being like a tower. I mean, I wouldn't even, I'm not even trying to, not even that. It's just, I lost all of my very dear friends in a day with no questions asked. And suddenly, and had convinced myself that I was some kind of fucking horrible pervert monster. And just to have this like gorgeous Fox News looking lady in a pretty dress, like give me a big hug, like me go to shake hands awkwardly and her be like, what are you doing? And like, give me a big hug and was just like, hey, you're really brave. And I was just like, what? Like, it was the first time I was hearing nice things about me, you know? And, and so the, uh, so it was great. And I, I, I still think I'm like friends with a bunch of those hosts, but then what happened was, and I got like, you know, not thousands of new followers. Like when I did Joe, but like hundreds, what hundreds. are we talking about? So you want to, are we talking about Rogan? Are we talking about Glenn Beck? What are the other shows? Just uh, you. Th- th- it was Glenn Beck and it was a bunch of, uh, uh, so a bunch of shows on Glenn Beck's network. Okay. Um, so there was like a panel show hosted by this girl, Sarah Gonzalez. There's this guy, Chad Prather, uh, who's kind of like more like the fucking the cool guy, Jock show where they fucking drink on air. And then um, uh, a couple shows on Shapiro's network, but not Shapiro's. Um, and that was it. Okay. I mean, there were probably like okay, four, so fucking four or five shows. And okay. then like people on our level. So like I did like Bridget, Bridget's podcast. Yes. Shit like that. Um, we, we love Bridget around here. She's yes. great. She's awesome. Um, Bridget she, Bettacy, she, by the way. Yeah, she's, she's not on Patreon me. anymore because she's she's got her own gig, right? She's got oh yeah, own. I didn't know she got rid of the Patreon. Well, you know what? Maybe she didn't. Sorry, don't listen to me. Anyway, Bridget Bettacy, mm. but she's anyway. Give okay, us, go ahead. Give, give us all money, you guys. Um, and so hundreds of new followers on all my socials. And the main, e- at tons of emails, the most emails I've gotten, like I went on Burt Kreischer's podcast. I love Burt, who's one of the most popular comedians. And I didn't get nearly as many emails after his show than I did when I went on these right wing shows, especially with Glenn, Glenn, me and Glenn went like really deep because he was saying how he was a version of me on the right. And I was, you know, he was pandering to the extreme right. I was pandering to the extreme left. And the email I got the most was people going, I don't agree with you. The, the, the highest compliment. I don't agree with you, but I really applaud your honesty. And I like how you can look at both sides and like you've been through a lot, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, I fucking love conservatives. Like, let's go. And there was one point when I got a book deal offer to kind of do this thing. And I was like broker than I am now. It was bad. Like flea ridden apartment in New York, trying to just like keep my cat alive. And, or sorry, in LA. And, um, and I remember there was one night <laughs> where I was like, maybe I am conservative and like tried to convince myself. I'm like, I like all these conservatives. And I'm like, maybe I am. And I remember it was like midnight and I was having like a panic attack and I went, uh, and I YouTubed Ben Shapiro and I was like, I was going to watch him Ben Shapiro. People like him. And within 10 seconds, I was like, I am not a conservative. Like, I was like, I'm not. Uh, and the, the, but I was like, I like a lot of these people. Like, I like them as people. I think Ben even saw some joke I made and like emailed me and like something really funny. And I was like, all right. And um, then George Floyd gets killed. And uh, I had been trying to stay away from politics over lockdown. My, I've joked before that my year was bad before COVID happened, where I had like a breakup and my cat died in the same two days. 
And then she left and it was like, it was a really amicable breakup, like helped her move out. But like we left LA together. So I went, I'm suddenly in this town. I don't know in Arizona. I don't know anybody. And the apartment used to have a girlfriend and a cat and now it has nobody. And then lockdown happens. And this is the first time in my life I've been single. And I had one of those moments that I had, you know, when the cancel happened where I was like, well, I either kill myself or I double down and become like the best version of myself. And so I'm like, what's everything that I've always wanted to do? Well, I've always had this music idea. So I got a guitar. Like I ordered a guitar. I've always wanted to wake up early, but I never did that because of girlfriends. I always wanted to meditate. I always wanted to <laughs> like do psilocybin. But you got girlfriends like pinning you to the bed. Do not get up. Yeah. Do not I mean, get I would, out of bed. Yes. Yes. You got like, lazy girlfriends. Well, I'm codependent as well. And so I'm like, well, why don't I get up and just go do the thing? And they're like, well, because I want to cuddle. And I was like, okay. And so I would just like lie there with my eyes open <laughs> for like hours and be like, I'm a good boyfriend. God, like, what is this? All day cuddling. This is so, a, so bad. This is a, um, okay. Yeah. And it's all, it's, that's all on me. Um, <laughs> and, and so I started doing all this shit. And yeah, it was like a sad divorce guy. Eat, pray, love was essentially like my, my <laughs> lockdown. It was like eat, eat. Eat, 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 eat mushrooms. Um, uh, that, that was my COVID in the mountains. And so I started making these sketches on Instagram because I've always wanted to make sketches and it was known as a stand up and they were like a little sillier and they start fucking blowing up. And uh, I'm not talking about anything political. I'm like, whoa, I can get a following without yelling at people. I can get a following by just making these comedy videos of like a man on the edge, which is like that. It was so off. It was the most authentic comedy I'd ever made. And so I start to make a living with it again. And, you know, the podcast is plateaued, but then I'm getting this big jujitsu audience. So I started doing jujitsu sketches and then I start the jujitsu podcast and I go, okay. And I'm so psyched that I'm not having to be political and I'm making a living and just being fucking funny and just talking about things that I think are important. So then George Floyd gets killed and I'm like, well, I have to talk about this. Again, it shouldn't be a political issue, right? Like, when you talk about George Floyd and someone goes, why are you making it political? It's like, it's not political. Racism isn't political. Racism is you're a bad person. Uh, like you, you could talk about like the politics of like, like laws and affirmative action. That's political. Well, and but, po- police misconduct is not political. No, none of this is political. And so I, I think I made one video and it was, dude, compared to old Jamie, it was tame. Old Jamie's like, you're all fucking racists. But like new Jamie, like, yeah, it was nuanced and it was kind of like, hey, this is fucked up. And again, let the record show now. All of my Republican, Green Beret, Navy SEAL SWAT buddies down here fucking think the guy who killed George Floyd is a piece of shit. You know, it makes their jobs harder. So I post about it. And dude, the comments I got, I'm going to guess that 80% of those people that I got, gone. Wait, so and what people, did you say exactly? Do you remember? Or roughly? Uh, I don't know. Don't kill innocent black people. <laughs> like, oh, it, okay. was, it, it literally, it wasn't crazy. Oh, oh so the, the conservatives didn't like this, is what you're yeah. saying. Okay. And not only that, and again, this is something very niche, but I think you and your audience will get it. I had, so remember, I didn't get canceled for anything to have to do with race, but because of tribalism, I posted, let's just say I post, don't kill innocent black people. 
and a lot of the comments on my Instagram, my non-political Instagram from like jujitsu people were like, oh, looks like fucking cuck McFeminist is back, <laughs> right? Like feminism has to do with George Floyd being killed. One guy said, didn't you learn your lesson? Essentially saying by me saying that killing an innocent black person is bad that I am going back to that. I didn't learn my lesson from getting canceled because I had a fucking affair. Like you are so, and, and again, these are the people, by the way, who will parrot podcast hosts talking about how the left will kick you out. If you disagree with one thing and blah, 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 doing the exact same shit. And that's when I knew that I was morally right. Career fucked morally right to go down the path that me and you have gone down because I go, Oh, a lot of you people who are pretending to be like above politics. The second I posted something you disagreed with, you just wanted me for my anti-woke stuff and you put up with the rest. But the second I was like, black people matter. You're like gone. Fuck you. You know, like, Essentially, I feel like a lot of the the intellectual dark web or whatever the fuck they're called now are almost like the black friend when you want to say something racist, where it's like, no, I'm in this like above tribe tribe. And again, we're all hypocrites and you need to fucking admit that. But the fact that you would unfollow me for saying that the George Floyd murder was horrible and blame it on my old feminism or be like, looks like he's going back. That just shows me that all of your talk about nuance and all of your talk about is complete and utter garbage. And it's what you tell yourself to feel as someone who was very self-righteous. I can spot him to feel above it all. When in reality, you're fucking in the dregs with everybody else. Yeah, that is so well put. And in fact, this very phenomenon that you just described is the reason that people on the left take words like nuance and say, this is a dog whistle because effectively right. these people on the right, they're, they're either misapplying the term nuance or they're, they're yep. abusing it. Yep. I don't know if they really know what it means. Yep. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's maddening. And the thing though is like, it, it is good for you morally and professionally you're fucked. But at the same time, there are so many people who are hungry for what we're doing and what and people is, like us. We're not the only ones either. And this, like, is what we got, and this is what we got to figure out, me and you, because, you know, we got sidetracked, but the second half of the advice I gave to the young comics, when I told them it's harder to do something different up front, the second part of that advice is, but when your audience finds you, you're unstoppable. Because at the time... I would have these meetings with these agents and managers who were like, oh, man, I love you. It's super edgy. And I'm like, thanks, man. And they're like, well, we can't do anything with you. But like super edgy. Or they'd be like, could you, you know, we love you because you're like raw. Could you like stop being raw, <laughs> you know? And um, and I would always be like, but if you look at the comics at the time, <laughs> at the time when I was still invited to meetings, the names I would give. I'm like, if you look at the people who are unstoppable, Colbert, John Stewart, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Sarah Silverman, and then obviously Carlin Hicks, it's all of these people who were political and edgy. The thing that you're telling me you're afraid of, 
And they would just be like, ah, <laughs> you know, and then <laughs> That's exactly what I know. I'm like, eh, well, uh, yeah. 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 And then, you know, and, and then when Trump happened and I say, you know, I, now it's fine and cool because everyone does it. But um, and I'm kind of hoping that's just the same with me and you or, or with this style where it's like, well, OK, it's unpopular now. And maybe we each have a couple hundred people on our Patreon or what a Patreon or whatever. But in theory, it's like, well, but once it hits and once people know it's out there and they're like, oh, there actually is someone talking about gray area or who can criticize both sides or who can, you know, whatever. I kind of like our patrons are probably going to be fans forever. They, there's some of them may not be able to, you know, they may have to leave for financial reasons or whatever, but like those people are, are sincerely our fans. Whereas a lot of really popular comics or popular podcasts, it's like, yeah, people like them, but, are they as committed? Are they? I don't know. This right. is what this I. Tell is what we, this is what we tell ourselves. It's better to be a be a cult. It's better to have a cult following than uh, a popular following. I mean, I think that's true yeah. to some extent. No, I mean, my look, my my listeners are amazing. We had a hangout um, last month, and it was it was fantastic. I bet they're so funny. And it was yeah, every, it was amazing. Every time and, I do a live chat with mine, I'm like, you guys are fucking hilarious yeah no i i love it and i don't you know at the same time like i i've only been doing this a year in no i'm not in no way is this a pity party like i'm i'm excited about it i'm going to keep doing it but i you know i can't help but notice like i recently moved it to podcast one trying to get ads and like oh that's cool trying to tweak that situation i mean I, we'll see the jury's a little bit out on 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 that you got to yeah. give it some time but i mean you know the other thing i wanted to talk to you about how old are you exactly? 39. Oh, you're really young. Okay. Oh, so, thank you. The, no, you're, I, yeah. you're way younger than I am because one of the things that I think about a lot is there's a generational issue here in terms of like building this kind of career. Like I'm yeah. 51. Okay. So social media does not come naturally to me. This kind sure. of self-promotion doesn't, I, I don't know how to do it. I, I hate Instagram. I don't want to do it, right. but you have to do these things now yeah. in order to survive as a creative person. Yeah, And that, like, I think a lot of people in my generation are struggling immensely. Yeah. I mean, hmm. it's an interesting topic because like, there are a bunch of careers that I'm interested in that I am too old for but I'm still doing like I have a bunch of friends in the WWE, like professional wrestlers. And I love that when I was a kid. So I've started training with literally one of my heroes and it's so fucking cool. Um, but also my dad was like, Hey, what, you know, when like parents try to be supportive and it's worse where he was like, Hey, just like uh, out of curiosity, when do people age out of wrestling? And I'm like at 39 dad at the year <laughs> I'm starting. Um, but like with stand up, for example, which obviously there's a huge crossover with stand up and podcasting. All of the biggest comics in the world right now, like Bert, Bill Burr, Louis, Joe, they all peaked at 50. Mm. Like that's literally when they peaked was wow. 50. Louis? So, but Louis only like 52 now, isn't he? Or 54 or something? Then they peaked at late 40s. But like Joe, I mean, sincerely, like very late 40s, early 50s. Chappelle, same. Obviously different with women um, because of patriarchy. I still got it. Um, and Because of, of nature, bro. Yeah, bro. Mother nature is uh, the ultimate misogynist. It is very true. Um, 
But that's really interesting. And then when Rogan and Rogan and Burr specifically, barely on social media, barely on social media, all the podcasts and, and, and live performance. And, you know, for me, that's really cathartic to hear because, I mean, I've been doing stand up since I was 17. And ever since Robin died and then my cancel, I've, you know, I'll like headline a week here and be like, maybe I'm going to do comedy. And then I'll get scared and be like, uh, or I'll get canceled from a club. And I'm just like, fuck this. I'll just go back and hide. And it was actually this week that I've had a bunch of clubs reach out to me. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should just fucking go for it. I've never just fucking gone for it and just done stand up every night. Yeah. Um, if I can find a place in Austin and which it seems like I can. Um, and so, I think that with what we do and then even the big podcast, like Tim Ferriss and like, no one's like, Oh, I need fucking some hot young thing. <laughs> the podcast to me, um, you know, there are young people who <laughs> there are podcasts who will take off because they're younger and they know about trends and they know about, you know, whatever, but uh, that doesn't have to be us. You know, I think that, okay, so I'll actually use, <laughs> If I haven't alienated everybody, here we go. I'll use a professional wrestling analogy. So I'm going into pro wrestling. Everybody is huge. Everybody is bigger than me. Everybody is younger than me. And if I went in there and I said, and you know, the person who convinced me to do it, uh, there will be people who know this name, Diamond Dallas Page, who's a Hall of Famer. He actually started very late and he convinced me I could do it. And I was like, yeah, dude, but when you were in the WWF or WWE uh, and you started late, you were still six foot five and like 80s hot and had the fucking leather jacket and the weird curly mullet and shit. Whereas like I'm five, seven, whatever. So instead of going, well, I have to be as strong as these people or I have to be as tall as these people. I go, well, what do I have as an older person that they don't have? Patience. I can ask better questions. I'm the only one who takes notes in class. Wait, you're not talking about wrestling right now, right? Like you no, no, wrestling. Take, like, oh, you mean you, you actually go to wrestling class and take notes? Oh, 100%. There's a wrestling school where you sit down in a classroom? You got to learn. You're in a ring. You're like, and I'm taking notes outside the ring. And wait, just so we were clear, you're not talking about like oh, I am. mixed martial arts. You're talking oh. about professional wrestling, like like hitting somebody with a chair. Like uh, it's 100%. 100%. Like theater. So it is, yeah. this is like theater, though. Which, right? by the way, yeah, which, by the way, I fuck it. Although, it, as someone who has done mixed martial arts for 15 years, it hurts so much more than actual fighting. Um, like, legitimately hurts so much more. Uh, and it's so much, so much more dangerous. And I'm fucking crushing it. And the reason I'm crushing it, above a lot of people who are doing it for way longer than me, who are in way better shape than me, and the reason is because I'm not trying to be them. I'm like... Okay, well, I've been a performer for 15 years. So instead of trying to do a bunch of flips like they can, I could I could try, but then it's me doing them averagely and them <laughs> doing them phenomenally. What if I actually try to slow down my match and tell a story because I'm a writer, right? What if I do all the old school stuff that no one does anymore? Right. One, right. because I love the old school stuff. Two, because I literally can't do the new school stuff. And so... I think that anyone listening, if you're going to try something where you're different, it's like, well, work that difference to your advantage. Like, okay, you may not be as good as social media, 
So be the podcast that everybody who's sick of social media wants to listen to. You know what I mean? <laughs> if only they would know about it, though. Yes. Well, and, and that's the trick. But like my friend Cal Newport wrote that book. I got to fucking call him. Uh, he wrote the book. He's huge. Goes on Tim Ferriss, goes on Ryan Holiday's podcast, best-selling books, completely off social media. Wrote a whole book about being, it has a TED talk about being off social media. So like there are ways to do it. But then I think where me and you get frustrated is we do go on Twitter and, you know, we see our friends, you know, shitting on some fucking whatever the controversy of the day is. And they're just like blowing up. And then I tweet like, I really like the new Hawkeye trailer and it has like four likes. And it's like, ah, fuck. You know what I mean? Um, I know that if I start talking about political issues, even if it's like the vaccine or whatever, and I put that there's a much bigger chance of somebody tweet up uh, hitting that on Twitter right, right. than when I'm like, Hey, here's another podcast about mental health. However, the emails I get from people about the mental health podcast are like, you stopped me from killing myself. So it's like, right. So how many podcasts do you have right now? So <laughs> I've gone crazy. Um, I'm in the manic mode of manic depressive after my depression where, so I've the flagship podcast is called a fuck ups guide to the universe. And that's where we can talk about all of these things. Um, then there's a jiu-jitsu podcast, uh, Rear Naked Radio. Uh, just started a pro wrestling podcast with my friend Jesse uh, called K-Babes, which is just, it's so nice to do a podcast just about something dorky you love, where it's, it just feels like I'm talking to my friend about, about wrestling, and it's wonderful. And then actually, oh, I can announce, so me and Nicole Aniston, who is a, a very famous, millions of followers, porn star, but brilliant and like anti-cancel culture and like super smart and spiritual me and her as of today, we're going to announce it or we're going to start doing it on like Twitter spaces. Cause she has like such a big following and Instagram live. And then we're going to pitch it out to some podcast places. But, um, and then if that takes off, honestly, that'll probably replace one of my other ones. Cause I've, I've wanted to do something with a co-host for a long time. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So that'll yeah. be really cool. So we're going to start it. I don't know when this comes out, but we're going to start it. It'll be on Twitter on Thursday night. Um, and then we're going to set a time and do it weekly there, have audience engagement, figure out what people want to talk about. Like, I love that she is on Instagram. She's like millions of followers, but on Twitter, I think she has like half a million and she did one by herself before we talked about joining forces and the topic her audience picked her porn star audience picked was like, fear of the unknown and like that's what they did it on and i was like that is so fucking dope um so yeah so it'll be it'll be uh it'll be for but the for your audience uh, it'll a uh, fuck up guide to the universe <laughs> so are you just doing these all the time are you recording every day it's just yeah. part of your rhythm of your yeah, day i think when i start stand up again um i won't you know because right now it's also a creative outlet you know, I don't love doing it by myself. I'm pretty good at doing solo podcasts. Um, having a co-host is much more fun. Like me and you doing bits together is so fun. Um, but I think once I do stand up and I'm getting that creative rush again, being on stage and being in front of people and also just money, I probably won't need to podcast as much. Um, or if like Nicole, and, like if Spotify picks up me and Nicole, and there's a producer and I don't have to like spell check my dumb descriptions on Libsyn before post posting <laughs> and 
like if someone if, if it's it, it, like, like does anybody even read those i'm so, yeah i know and also you can't hyperlink in no, some of those things so if you try worst. to hi- it's like ooh. it's the fucking worst and like so i think that like i almost have more fun doing people's podcasts like this is so fun oh for me. totally i'm totally. like oh i just get to show up and talk to you i could do this every day um but yeah right now the majority of my living is coming from podcast so i'm just kind of doing it every day and then yeah i get to be funny and dick around and what's interesting is ever since i started thinking about getting back into stand-up you know when i quit a thing i leave it behind like a fucking scornful ex where i'm like i haven't even watched stand-up i like stopped being funny i was just very like like we're talking about mental health and um and ever since i started thinking about stand-up again i just feel like freer and looser and i feel like i'm kind of finding myself again which is really cool so i've actually been really enjoying doing the podcasts because i'm not the thing that is good about being a comic compared to you know and again if i was a comic when all that shit went down i would have been like yeah i fucking cheated like it was Mm. stupid we're done talking about it now and i probably would have talked about it on stage Mm -hmm. i mean how many comics have talked about cheating on stage all right. of them, it's like you know, an airport joke. Yeah. A hundred. Yeah, totally. And, um, so I'm actually enjoying the podcast much more. I feel like I was kind of resenting them, especially the ones that weren't making that much money where I'm like, what am I doing? Like, am I just doing this because it's all I know how to do and I'm afraid to do stand up? And the answer was kind of yes. And now that I'm remembering how much I enjoy like being weird and funny and talking about these issues, I'm actually like, yeah, I can do this every day. Like it's actually been really easy for me the last couple months. Yeah. Well, gosh, Jamie, I feel like we could talk on and on. So let's, I, I hope you'll come back. We'll do it again. I know. I, let me just f- final question because you t- talk a lot about mental health. That's yeah. a big area of yours. I mean, I don't think it's any original statement to say that everybody's completely insane right now. Like, I just feel like everybody is really sort of not just crazy or unhinged, but unwell. Like, what do you think is going on? Do you think it is social? How much of it is social media? Because even before the pandemic, I felt this way. So, like, just putting that even aside, I think what is your diagnosis? Yeah, I think a lot of it's social media. I think I remember when I got canceled. I walked around Los Angeles with a hoodie and sunglasses thinking I was like America's most wanted (laughs) and or like when I talked about my cheating on Rogan's like I'll have people because Rogan has a huge following in jiu-jitsu and people will come up to me at the gym and they're like, bro, I heard you on Rogan. I'll be like, shut the fuck up. Like, keep it down because I think that they think that I'm like a sex criminal and but they are actually a normal human. (laughs) who was just like, no, it's fucking awesome. Like, what's Joe like? Like, that's all they give a shit about, right? And any interaction I've had in real life is great. And when you're fighting with someone on Twitter and you think the world is after you, and then you go outside and people are like, hi. And you start like petting their dogs and shit. And you're like, oh, things are, things are actually fine. So I think a lot of it is social media we become not only addicted to it, but we become addicted to the negative aspects of it. And the first thing you see when you look at your phone in the morning and it's like fucking Delta variant, this person said this, somebody's calling me a cuck. You're like, I'm why would I get up? This is terrible. (laughs) 
then you put COVID on top of it, you know, and I didn't realize how much COVID affected people. I mean, the obvious, like it's affecting people and jobs and death and stuff like that. But I didn't even think about the little things because I'm so used to being the crazy one that I remember I was talking to my mom because I talked to all my friends about this and, you know, we would joke about it, but I talked to my mom and I was like, mom, like the couple of people I've tried to date in Austin are fucking nuts. Like I thought I was like, I thought I did so much work on myself and my red flag detector was better. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. And my mom's like, Jamie, everyone went crazy during COVID. Whether it's now they're desperate for a partner, whether it's they realize they're not in love with their partner, whether right. there are so many little micro effects of this that we're going to see forever. So if social media was a problem before COVID and now we're locked inside and our only connection to the real world was social media and social media is getting us more afraid of COVID, which is putting us more inside, which is more on. And it's just this whole fucking psycho on top of the fact that people don't really talk about their mental health. So a lot of their issues, well, they they, talk about it in a really stupid way. In a really stupid way. I mean, they talk, I mean, having mental health problems is like a, there's currency in that in Twitter. I mean, there's a whole universe of people who will brag about, being bipolar is like yeah well the, and, and you know, who isn't and, and i used to i used to do that too and again not thinking that i was bragging about it but i noticed the difference between old woke jamie when i talked about it where i would just be like man i'm having a, a it's hard and it's like okay <laughs> like cool man and you know people would be like you're great fucking i love you all this stuff and n- n- the way i do it now especially on instagram is I'll be struggling and I'm like, okay. Uh, and I treat it like an athlete. I go, we got to fix this. <laughs> like, I don't want to be depressed because the problem is when you're using it for currency, you don't really want to snap out of it. You go, well, no, it's not in your interests to. Right. Whereas now I know what it feels like to be happy. So I'm not psyched about it when I get depressed. So I go, okay, let's like, think about this. You're stressed out about this. So you've been on your phone all day. Let's maybe put that down let's like go for, yo, you didn't sleep because you were on your phone. So you've been drinking too much coffee. Okay. That's why you're a little shaky. Cool. Maybe we go for a run, go for a run. Oh, I'm starting to fucking feel better. All right. Like now that I've ran, maybe I'm going to eat healthy. And then I go, Oh yeah, I fucking ate shitty last night. Cause I was depressed. Okay. I'm going to eat some good food. And now I'm like, feeling. then I go on Instagram and I go, Hey guys, I was struggling. I know a lot of you are, it's fucking tough. Here's what I did to help hope this helps you remember if you're feeling this way there's an out you're not alone blah 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 cliche jerk off motion whatever i say right it's something like that and i think that's no people seeing that they're not alone when it's especially when it's not performative um i think is really huge when i see someone i look up to being like man i got so depressed after my show i go you get depressed after your shows too and they go of course you go okay or you're scared of this or you know I've been talking to some really big comics recently because I've been like, man, I'm scared to get back out there. And they're like, dude, I get scared to get back out there. Like there have been times where I've stopped and I'm scared and I haven't even been through what you've been through. And I go, oh, and so you start to feel better about it. And, you know, another huge piece of advice, unfollow people, man. My people in my real life get mad that I don't follow them on Instagram. My Instagram is literally just people who inspire me. It's comedians who inspire me. It's athletes who inspire me. That's it. I don't have time for bullshit. I don't have time for things that are going to make me sad. I will be a better person politically and to the planet if sometimes I stay the fuck away from that stuff. Um, and then I know that I can give. So uh, anytime you unplug, 
you're going to feel better. Um, taking literally like 10 minute walks. I'm such an advocate of those now. I'll take like these 10 minute walks without my phone. And I feel mm. like I'm on acid. Like <laughs> if you put your phone away and go outside, you literally are like, oh my God, the trees are how we breathe. Like I feel <laughs> like a 16 year old on drugs. I'm like looking at the sky. I'm like, literally, I, I know every dog near me's name. I don't know any of their owner's names. I know all no, the dog's no, names. No. I'm like, it's peanut. Uh, and like, it's the fucking best. Um, and then you just realize that everything else is a fucking show, you know, and you just, you try to be nice to people and you try to be happy and it fucking works. You know, you're grateful for what you have and then you fucking spiral and you get some fucking domains. You try to sell your car and now I'm dodging, <laughs> dodging phone calls from this car company. I was like, you still interested? And I just don't want to be like, it was a mistake. Oh no. So you're not, that, that was, that was a, like a, a, a manic, uh, yeah, you, of course you just, so you're not going to trade your car in. Why? I just discovered it has a cool little sunglass thing that I didn't even notice. Oh, you didn't, like, oh the sunglass thing. Yeah. I was no, like, well, I was I thinking keep... like, I, I'm always afraid, like if I was going to take Ambien, I would probably wake up in the night and buy a bunch of domain names without yeah. realizing it. And then the morning I would wake up and I'd own like, you know, cock McFeminist. Dot, dot net. Dot, not even net. It's probably taken dot co or whatever. <laughs> dot org. Like it's a dot, biz <laughs> oh, and how, how how like how, how how low do you have to go to like oh the comms taken the net's taken like how far do you have to go to take biz you gotta be really really married, really married to the cuck mcfeminist idea yeah yeah um mcfeminist.org actually has a great i mean that's hilarious juxtaposition to it yes. i would uh, i'm gonna go get that right now i think i bet like uh, the aclu owns that or ms ms the ms foundation probably already owns that i but, think the ms foundation i think yeah. i think you know that well i'm gonna yeah. uh, i'm gonna make myself go to the gym so i don't get sad yeah thank you I'm, so much jamie loved talking to you and yeah guys you don't have to like jump on my fucking patreon because you feel bad for me but if you like any of this, please check out the podcast or my social media. Some kind of validation. The Twitter is at Jamie Kilstein and the Instagram is at the Jamie Kilstein. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. That was my interview with comedian, writer, and podcaster Jamie Kilstein. Jamie hosts the podcast Rear Naked Radio and the Fuck Ups Guide to the Universe. He has appeared on the Joe Rogan Experience, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, and you can find him now at jamiekilsteinpodcast.com. That's Kilstein with one L. You can also join his Patreon at patreon.com slash jamiekilstein. Speaking of Patreon, you can join the Patreon for this show at patreon.com slash theunspeakable. You can get all sorts of perks there, including videos under the new Unspeakeasy Imprimatur. If you join at the mid-tier level or higher, you get $10 off your first purchase of official Unspeakable podcast, Nuanced AF Merchandise. You also get to join our regular listener hangouts on Zoom, where we have in-depth discussions on recent episodes. So if that appeals, please join up and join us. Finally, uh, something I probably don't say enough, if you like this show, please consider leaving a rating or a review, positive, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It costs no money and doesn't take very long and really, really helps. I'll be back next week with another super nuanced guest. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Hi, I'm Frank. 
I don't like change. And I just saw a billboard for this new BJ's Wholesale Club talking about how you could pay as little as two cents a gallon for gas. Look, when gas prices are this low, we can't complain about gas prices being too high. No, sir. I wouldn't join BJ's Wholesale Club. Hey, thanks, Frank. But if you do want to sign up now for ridiculously low gas prices, join the new BJ's Wholesale Club, opening soon in South Fayette. Visit BJ's.com slash South Fayette or the BJ's Membership Center at Newbury Market. Are you in excruciating pain brought on by your son, daughter, or spouse suffering from addiction? The sleepless nights, the constant worry, and the feelings of isolation. Recovery Centers of America wants you to know you're not alone. Addiction destroys families. But if you call Recovery Centers of America today at 1-888-RECOVERY, your loved one can begin to recover, and so can your whole family. At Recovery Centers of America at Monroeville, your loved one will be treated with compassion and dignity by expert addiction professionals while recovering in a world-class facility. Family Support Services will give you knowledge, connection, and community so that you can begin to heal and recover as well. Call 1-888-RECOVERY today. Recovery Centers of America accepts insurance, provides transportation, and offers intervention services at no cost. Patients are admitted 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. 